Well, good morning, Christ Chapel. Happy New Year to you. Happy New Year to the Christ Chapel family. Even if you're worshiping online, thank you so much for beginning uh, your new year with us. We want to continue to worship. want to give you an opportunity to give as unto the Lord. And so if you would like to give as a form of worship and to the things that God is doing, uh, not only in our community, but around the world, you can do that uh, by texting in the code on the screen. Uh, you can give online. That's how Jen and I give. Or uh, if you'd like to drop in a physical gift into one of those boxes, outside of the venue that you're worshiping in. You can certainly do that uh, once you're done with the worship service today and uh, you're leaving. Uh, but certainly thankful for all of you that, that do give. Thank you for your generosity. And thank you for all of you uh, who participated in the end of year giving as well. You'll hear, uh, I'm, we're still getting reports and those things are still being added up, but super thankful for all of you that participate in that. And, and even if you, you didn't, thank you for going home and praying and just asking God, do you want us to participate in this? Thank you, thank you, thank you for just being obedient uh, to the Lord in that. And uh, many of you brought those gifts on Christmas Eve and uh, guys, Christmas Eve was fantastic. Thank you so much for uh, just the warmth and hospitality that you gave to so many folks uh, that came. Uh, there were over 12,000 people that came to a Christmas Eve service at Christ Chapel. And so uh, it's not about numbers whatsoever, but those are individuals that we love, that we care for, that we've been praying for. And so thank you for loving on those folks and uh, just uh, making them feel a part of the Christ Chapel uh, community as well. And thank you to all of you who served. There were so many of you that morning, if you remember, it was raining that morning and uh, there were people out helping to park cars in the morning in the rain. So many of you uh, served in kids ministry or hospitality or whatnot. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I love you. You're a fantastic church. Super thankful to to be with you. But hope you got a break over uh, Christmas and uh, New Year and uh, assume that probably over the Christmas break, uh, many of you probably watched a Christmas movie. Uh, we talked over Christmas Eve about Christmas customs that, that we all partake in. And one of those Christmas customs I've found when I talk to people is that they watch the same Christmas movies every year. Uh, you probably watch the same Christmas movie. I, I feel like 90% of people could fall into one of these categories. Either you watch like Charlie Brown Christmas or, or the old Rudolph, or you watch like uh, a Christmas story or Christmas vacation, or you watch the Elf. Like that's like 90% or there's the, the slim majority of you that try to make Die Hard a Christmas movie and you know, okay, whatever. But uh, you know, most of you watch those familiar Christmas movies, which, which is honestly great. And we do the same. Elf is on like I feel like every day uh, at our house. And one of the great things about watching those familiar Christmas movies is you don't really have to pay attention. You can really do a lot of other things. You can, you know, wrap gifts or you can bake cookies or you can do a little bit of email work in the background. It, it doesn't matter. And then you can just tune in whenever you want and you tune in to your favorite part or, you know, to, to quote it or, or whatnot. I mean, you just engage whenever you want to. Now, if you were adventurous over the break, you watched a new movie. Now, the thing with a new movie is you have to pay attention. And not only do you have to pay attention, if you're paying attention, the other thing that you hope is that whoever you're watching the movie with is also paying attention. Because if they're not paying attention and they get up and they go get a snack or if they get up and they go to the restroom, they come back and what is the first thing that they ask? What did I miss? Exactly. What did I miss? 
and you go, okay, well, uh, and you try to catch them up as best as you can. And you're like, well, this person was over here and this thing happened and whatnot, depending on how, how long they were gone. And then maybe this only happens in my house, but then, you know, there might be follow-up questions because the, the information that you provided was insufficient to what they missed. And so they're like, well, what about this? And what about this? And you just get to a point where you go, you know what I need to do? I need to just pause and we need to go back to the beginning. Well, maybe it's not the beginning of the movie, but maybe it's the beginning of the scene. Maybe it's picking up where you left off. It's just, it's just easier for everyone to get the context of what is going on and where the story is headed if you just pause and go back to the beginning. And here's why I bring that up. Because life might be like a box of chocolates, but life is also similar to a movie in the way that there is a story that is being told. There is a story that had a beginning and there is a story that has an end. And we're all coming into the middle of this story. And when we come into the middle of this story, there are questions that all of us should be asking and I think honestly many people do ask. And those are questions like, what's happened? What did I miss? Why am I here? What am I supposed to be doing? What is the purpose of this, all of this stuff going on around me? Where is this story headed? They're all wonderful, wonderful questions that we should be asking. And if we don't ask those questions, then we find ourselves making up a story as we go along. And we figure out this is the role that I want to play. And this is the, the plot that I think is going on. And, and this, these are the characters that I want uh, around me. And, and this is how I want my movie to turn out. My, my one life to live. That's an old TV reference. Um, th this is what it's about. But oftentimes, if, if we do that, if we don't ask the right questions and get the right answers, and we begin to make up the, the story around ourselves, and we begin to make up the plot ourselves, then we end up being in a disconnected story. We, we end up with a, a broken table. We end up at, as discontent of people. And sometimes the best thing to do is simply just pause and go back to the beginning. And that's what we're going to do today. So if you will, open your Bibles to Genesis chapter 1. Genesis chapter 1. If you're opening one of the blue Bibles, I dare you to guess what page it is. It's actually page 1. Page 1 in the blue Bibles. Uh, today we're starting a new series called Go Back to the beginning, uh, uh, an action-oriented uh, title because that's what we want to orient you to. Uh, no matter what the beginning is, to go back to God, to go back to the beginning. And, and really, this is uh, definitely a theme for our series as we're going to walk through Genesis uh, chapter 1 through 7. And I know some of you would like to go uh, further, totally understand that. But for our purposes this year, uh, we're only going to go through chapter 7, which is going to take us to Easter. And the rest of our series this year are really going to focus on some fundamentals. I really want us to focus on fundamentals this year because uh, I, our, our world is a chaotic world. We live in 
turbulent times. And I think we really need to ground ourselves in God's word and focus on some of those fundamentals and some of those basic truths, some basic tenets of the faith. So for our purposes, we're just gonna go through Genesis 1 to 7 uh, for the next uh, three months. There's gonna be plenty there and we'll even take uh, uh, some, some sidebars uh, that we're gonna, gonna stop and we're gonna focus and drill down a little bit more a couple weeks. So I'm really, really uh, excited about this series. But let me tell you that my, my goals for, for us uh, as a Christ Chapel family uh, through the series, I always like to do this when we start. So uh, first, I wanna highlight God's desires for your lives through his original design. Highlight God's desires for your life through his original design. A second, I wanna explain God's character. He doesn't, he doesn't do anything that's out of his character. So I wanna explain God's character as it's reflected in his design as he interacts with human beings, as he interacts with uh, folks like you and me because his character doesn't change. And then third, illustrate how his original design can still and should be followed today for us to experience his best. Uh, he established life, creation, the world in a way that was orderly and not only orderly for his good and his glory, but for our good, for, for our best. And so we want to apply these things so that you can experience God's best in your own lives. So, but before we start into Genesis, I have to give you some basics. These are on your sermon notes, so you do need your sermon notes because none of this stuff is going to come up on the screen. I want to explain some basics simply about the book of Genesis, just to give you an, an idea of the context. So, uh, Genesis, the title, means uh, beginnings. It, it's transliterated from Hebrew. The Old Testament was written in Hebrew, the New Testament in Greek, okay? So Old Testament Hebrew, it's transliterated into Greek, which the Greek word is birth or, or beginnings. So that's, that's really what this means is the beginnings. The beginnings of what? We've got the beginnings of uh, people. We've got the beginning of creation. We've got the beginning of marriage. We've got the beginning of work. We've got the beginning of, of so many different things going on here. And the author is Moses, Moses was the author. Yes, Moses, the one who was born in Egypt, the one who was uh, grown up in the, the house of Pharaoh, the one who was a murderer, the one who led God's people, who was called by God to lead his people. Yes, that Moses is the one who recorded this. And he didn't just record a Genesis. He also recorded the other four books that follow it. So he, the first five books of the Bible called the Pentateuch, or Pentateuch just means five books or five scrolls, or some people also call it the Torah, the law. The first five books were all written by Moses. Now, when was that written? Well, it was during Israel's wilderness wanderings between 1446 and 1406 BC. We obviously don't know exactly the day that he wrote it, um, but he was inspired by God and wrote this after the Israelites had exited Egypt. So they're in this wilderness wanderings and they're about to enter the promised land. And that's, that's gonna be important for you to remember, especially towards the end of this sermon. So just want you to have that, that, that idea and that context. Who is he writing to? He's writing to specifically the nation of Israel, but the nation of Israel at that time, that, that was God's people. 
that, those were the people that God had chosen to reveal his nature and character through so he could show the rest of the world how he relates to humanity, how his unconditional love uh, engages with, connects with uh, humanity. So specifically the nation of Israel as they're about to go into the promised land. And here's the intent of Genesis. It was to impart identity and purpose by showing God as the creator and sustainer of his people. He wanted to impart an identity to the nation of Israel and show them their purpose as they're going into the promised land. And that's important because they they get this do-over in a sense. This this redo as they go into the promised land. He's saying, hey, Let's go back to the beginning here as you get a a fresh start uh, in the promised land as as a newly formed uh, people that are now separated from Egypt. And it's really important to understand the intent because understanding the intent helps gauge our expectations of what we're supposed to get from Genesis. What I mean by that is Genesis is not a universal history of man book. That's not what it was. Does it have historical events? Absolutely. I believe it is historically accurate, but it's not written as a comprehensive history of man, nor is it written as a science book. This is, this is not a biology textbook or a geology textbook. In fact, it's not written in scientific language. If he had recorded it in scientific language that we understand today, nobody would have understood it back then. That, it, it, that, that wasn't the purpose or intent. This is a theological book. It, it, it's meant to show us who God is. In, in fact, honestly, the, the things that are recorded in some ways scientifically show us that God supersedes science, <laughs> So, so it's, it, you've got to understand, this shows us how God interacts in the world. That's, that's the point of Genesis, and it helps us understand the expectations that we bring and expect Genesis to teach us uh, about. Now you say, well, is this, um, you know, is this valuable for us? This is still the word of God. Please understand that. This is authoritative for our lives. In, in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16, I, I just want to reiterate that this is authoritative for us. Uh, Paul says, all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness that the man or woman of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. That we are trained in righteousness. This teaches, teaches us how to live rightly with God, with other people, with our spouses, with creation in a sense. I mean, this teaches us how to live rightly. It doesn't equip us for every good work in the sense of, hey, I need to pass this algebra test. Like, you're not gonna go here. Uh, This isn't gonna teach you how to do your taxes. This This is, my refrigerator always acts up. I don't go to the Bible. I go to YouTube, okay? Um, that you, I only say that so that we gauge our expectation. I absolutely believe this is authoritative. Absolutely, 100%. But let's gauge our expectations about what this is going to teach us as we go throughout uh, this series, okay? 
So let's go back to the beginning. We're only gonna cover verses one to two uh, today. And so uh, I just wanna read those as a, a whole as we go back to the beginning. And gosh, there's so much. We could, we could spend a lot of time on this, um, but I'll, I'll try to be um, on time uh, today. But verses one and two, just follow along with me, please. There's so much packed in here. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Can I read that again, please? In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. May God bless his word, and may our hearts be open to hear from him. One of the first things that you should hear as we begin this series and as Genesis begins is going to be something that might be offensive to some of you and I don't mean it that way. But life is not about you. This is not about you. Now you are 100% God's prized possession, no doubt. And he has literally moved heaven and earth to have a relationship with you. You are that valuable to him. But this whole world is not about you. You are not at the center of it. And in some ways, I hope and my prayer for you this week has been that from the get-go, that would be a freeing message to so many of you. That you're not the main character. The pressure is off of you. You don't have to carry this performance. You don't have to make it up as you go along. The pressure is off. God is the main character. He he is the one who is driving the plot. All the pressure resides on his shoulders and he's happy to carry it. And I go, praise God. Glad this story isn't all about me. Glad I don't have to make this up. This story is not about you. It's about God. He is the main character, and he's going to introduce you into the story. But that's really important for us to understand. And because this story is about God, what I want to do today is I want to show you how God is the main character of the story. And we'll, I'm going to show you that in three very distinct ways through verses one and two. And I'll give you some applications uh, so that you know that the character of God is someone you can always go back to. You can always go back to him no matter what the beginning is. So let's begin at the beginning of verse one where I want to show you that God is before all things. God is before all things. Gosh, there's so, in in these first four words, in the beginning God, there's so much to unpack here and I I, I don't have time to go through all of it, but there there is such a bold statement here in, in verse one, in the beginning God. 
Um, one of the main things that I think is going on here, and this is why I wanted you to know the context that Moses wrote it, they're coming out of Egypt, because remember, Israelites had been enslaved in Egypt for 400 years, so all of the people that they were around in, in Egypt, they believed in multiple gods, gods plural, and so they had all these different gods where there was the God of the Nile, there was the God of the sun, there was the God of the moon, there was a God of war, there were, there, there were gods of, of the fields. I mean, there, there, was all, there were so many different gods in Egypt. And not only were there many gods, oftentimes the way that they explained their world were these gods were in conflict with one another. And Moses comes out and says, first... There is only one God. That's it. And this one God is not in conflict with himself. This God is not in conflict with anyone in how he created it. In the beginning, there is one God. And that's really important for all of us to even understand uh, today because there are so many gods being bowed down to in our world today. And honestly, we find that eventually in our culture, those gods come in conflict with one another. And God stands above all of those things. And not only is he the God above all of those things that they called gods, but he created those things. He created the sun, he created the moon, he created the Nile, he created the field, he created all of those things. There is a huge statement here about a monotheistic God. He is singular, he is one, even though he is triune. In the beginning, God, there is one. Now, there's also a statement here about in the beginning, about the eternality of of God, and I want to explain uh, some of those things to you because this is something just theologically I think we all need to understand. Uh, when we think about um, eternity, it's, it's a scary thought. I, I don't know if you've ever spent any time on it. I, I distinctly remember a time when I was probably eight or nine, I was lying in bed about to go, go to sleep, and for some reason I started thinking about eternity, and it freaked me out, and I stopped thinking about it. And haven't thought about it since. And, no, I mean, it, it, it is somewhat of a frightening thought to, to think about something that goes on and on and on and on. I'm freaking some of you out right now. But hey, but God was before even time began. He is eternal. Now, here's what we mean when we say that. I've given you three statements on your sermon notes. These will come up on the screens. But first... The eternality of God, God being eternal means that God is self-existent, depending on no person or thing to originate his existence. Now, one of the things is, as I walk you through these things, one of the things that I hope that you grasp, and, but grasp in a very good way, is God is completely other than us. He's completely different. You see, we live in a world of cause and effect, there is, a, there is a, a cause, and sometimes we cause, and these are the effects. These are the consequences. This is, this is the ripple effect. Uh, God is the first cause of everything we see in Scripture, but there was no cause upon him. He existed eternally. He, he 
is self-existent. He didn't depend on anyone to begin him, if that makes sense. Second, God exists endlessly, having no beginning and no end, being bound by nothing. No beginning, no end. This is why we call him the Alpha and the Omega. We sing songs about him being the Alpha and Omega. He is the beginning and end of anything we understand or know because he is bound by nothing. And because of that, God exists outside of time, seeing the past and the future as clearly as he sees the present. How stinking cool is that? He exists outside of time and sees the past and the future as clearly as he sees the present, as clearly as we see uh, the present. Now, when we talk about him being outside of time, uh, Peter tells us in 2 Peter that to the Lord, a day is like a thousand years and a thousand years like a day. And you go, that doesn't make any sense. Well, it does if you're eternal and you're not bound by time. A, a day can seem like a thousand years and a thousand years can seem like a day because you are outside of time. And one of the things that is wonderful about him being outside of time is that he can assure us of what's to come. He can see that end. He knows how the story ends, which is the application for you when we talk about God being before all things. In 2024, I would hope that you would go back to the one who can see the end. Go back to the one who can see the end. And that's, how, that's the theme that all these applications are gonna take is go back. And you go, what, what does that mean, Cody? Does that mean you want me to do a quiet time for five minutes? Does that mean you want me to make a list of something? Guys, I don't, I don't know. This is as much about starting off the new year going, we need to put markers in our minds and hearts to always go back to God at every beginning. And go back to the one who sees the end. Uh, I... Jen and I watched a new movie with the boys that they had never seen. This is one of my favorite movies of all time. It's called Simon Birch. It's uh, rated PG. We watched it with the boys. And um, they had never seen it before. And so this was one where I was really hoping that they would pay attention uh, to uh, so that the questions would be limited as we watched it. But um, there, was, there's a, there was a part, there's a part towards the end that, uh, that, was, that Hayes found a little bit scary. Hayes is our seven-year-old. He found a little bit scary. And you know what was wonderful is? I had seen the end of the movie, and I got to say, Hayes, it's okay. It, it turns out fine. And he was able to see himself through the movie and settle himself to watch the rest of the movie because I could assure him of the end. Now, I'm not trying to set myself up as a savior in any way, but my point of the illustration is God sees the end and knows the end of the story. <laughs> and sometimes things in our lives get frightening or tumultuous and we don't know how it's gonna end and we don't know what the next scene is gonna bring. And sometimes we just need to go back to the one who created the end and go, is this gonna be okay? Yeah, it's gonna be okay. Just settle down. I see the end. And I'll see you through to the end. It's going to be okay. So whatever beginning you have, go back to the one who sees the end so you don't get all twisted up just on today. Second, 
God is not only before all things, but God is purposeful in all things. He's purposeful in all things. Purposeful. If you look at the second part of verse one. So in the beginning, God, what did God do? Not only was he preexistent to all the beginnings that we know, but it says that he created the heavens and the earth. This word created is a word that's used only of God. It's not, it's not used of anyone else, any other person. It's a divine creation. It's used 48 times uh, throughout the Old Testament. And all I really want to say about that today, I'm trying to parse these things out as we go through the series. All I want to say about that today is that God had a purpose in what he created. That, and you go, duh, Cody, I, I mean, I think I would know that, right? But I want you to relate to it. Anything that we create... We have a purpose for creating, right? If you, cre- if you create a habit, it's because you want to produce a result. Uh, you will, this afternoon, you're going to uh, create uh, a meal. Why? Because you want to eat it. That, that's your in- intention. Uh, or, or you create a presentation. Why? Because you want to communicate. The intent is to communicate or to close a deal or to move a team forward or something like that. Everything you create has an intention and a purpose. And so I very simply want to say, go back to the one who gives direction through his intentions. Go back to the one who gives direction through his intentions. I think one of the things that all of us would love in 2024 is direction. Like, where, where am I headed? Where am I headed in my career? Where are we headed as a family? Where are we headed with whatever group or individual or friendship or relationship? It doesn't matter. Where are we headed? Go back to the one who gives direction through his intention. See, everything he created has an intention. And because it has an intention and it has a purpose, He creates it divinely so that it accomplishes the purpose that he intended for it to accomplish. And see, where I think one of the the things that we get ourselves in trouble with is when we take what God has created and we use it for our own purposes. God has given us minds. He has given us time. He has given us abilities, all all of those wonderful things. And when we take those things and use those for ourselves or with our own purpose, ignoring his intent, then that's when we get ourselves in trouble. That's that's when we start creating our own story, as I talked about uh, at the beginning. uh, Let me give you an illustration. Um, This happens to me all the time. I don't know if this is a guy problem or if it's a guy-girl problem. It's definitely a guy problem, I think. Um, but how many of you get Amazon packages at your, your doorstep? Okay? You get an Amazon package at your doorstep. I, this is what I do. I won't put this on anybody else. I get the Amazon package. I pick it up from the front door. And the first thing that I do every time is I reach into my pocket, I pull out my keys, and I start trying to rip open the package with the keys. How many of you do that? Am I, I'm really the only one here? Okay. Okay. All right. Well, welcome to my counseling session, okay? Uh, I do not have a pocket knife, so thank you. I don't carry around weapons like that. Oh, my goodness. Uh, 
But here's what happens whenever I try to do that. Whenever I try to do that, um, the, the package is never opened easily. Um, it certainly dulls the key. And oftentimes, I'll find that it hurts my knuckles. Like I'll end up slicing open one of my knuckles or something like that. It, it, why? Why does that end up hurting me? Why does it end up frustrating me? Why does it end up taking longer to open that package? Because the key was never intended to open packages. The key was intended to start my car, not open Amazon packages. And sometimes we take what God has given us, what God has created, and we use it for things that he's not intended it for. And it ends up hurting us it ends up frustrating us and sometimes ends up hurting other people. And sometimes we don't end up getting traction in our lives like we hope to see. Why? Because we're not using the things that God has given us for the purposes in which he intended. I'm talking everything that God has given you, your mind, your time, your health, your resources, your job, your friends, your family, all of those things. God has given you those things for what purpose? Not just for your enjoyment, not just for you to create your own story, but for a very specific purpose. So go back to the one who gives direction through his intention. And then finally, the last thing we see here in Genesis uh, chapter 1 verse 2 is that God is sovereign over all things. God is sovereign over all things. When I say sovereign, I mean that God has supreme and ultimate authority over all things. Supreme and ultimate authority over all things. Look at verse two. It says, the earth was without form and void and darkness was over the face of the deep and the spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Now, if you are reading this, and if, and if you were just meditating on it, you would realize that something has happened in between verses one and two. Something, something has changed, something has happened, and we are entering into the middle of the story. And the reason why I say that is because um, think about these terms that are used when it's describing the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and void and darkness was over the face of the deep. If you just use those adjectives, uh, that does not sound pretty. If you were looking for a spring break vacation place and it said formless, void, and dark, you would probably say, I don't really want to go there. Some, something has happened, and uh, I think what happened between verses 1 and 2 was the fall of Lucifer, which we'll talk about later on, fall of Satan, uh, which is recorded in Ezekiel 28 and Isaiah 14. We're going to talk about that later in our series, uh, but I think that is what has happened where a third of the angels fell. All that say, the terms formless and void often have to do with um, sinful destruction, and so how do we start off with that God created the heavens and the earth and it's formless void? That's why I think the, the fall of Satan or Lucifer happened there in between, but we'll get there again uh, later. My point is things are going crazy. There's chaos on the earth in verse two. Something is going on and it's not right, but 
what does it say? What does it say over the formless void and darkness? The Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. The Spirit of God is over the void, the emptiness, the darkness he is hovering over. I love the, the, the verb hovering. It actually means the picture is uh, of the mother hen brooding her chicks, putting them under her, her wing, but it's, it's bringing in and reining them all in. That, that's the idea. It has the idea of uh, movement, but movement with ease. I love that, movement with ease. Like, he's not freaking out. <laughs> He's hovering over this chaos and it's, but I got this. <laughs> he is supreme over all of these things. I tell you that because um, the application for us as we think about this is to go back to the one who calmed the chaos. Go back to the one who calmed the chaos, who is in supreme and ultimate authority even over chaotic situations. And, and here's why I say that. Because every new year, I think everyone in the world, myself included, I think everyone in the world hopes that the new year brings a clean slate. That the new year brings this ultimate fresh start. Like just because the calendar year changed, all of a sudden we have zero baggage from 2023 or 2022 or 2021, or 2020, or however far back you want to go. And you all know that ain't true. That yes, we have a clean slate with God through the forgiveness of sins and what Jesus did for us, but man, none of us are starting our careers as a fresh slate. None of us are starting relationships necessarily with a fresh slate, a clean slate, a fresh start. There's still those kinds of, of baggage and complicated and complex situations that are in the past that still have to be navigated in the new year. But here's the wonderful thing. The Spirit of God hovers over the chaos and he calms the chaos and he brings something wonderful out of that chaotic situation. You see, here's the such a cool thing about this is yes, this is a story about creation, but it is as much of a story about recreation where God redeems and restores something that was chaotic and you go, man, that is hopeful for my life that God can redeem and restore things that were, were broken, that were not as I intended, that didn't, that didn't go the way that I had hoped that they would go or intended that they would go, but God was hovering over it and he can work all things together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose that he can work for your good this year, even if you're bringing in chaos from 2023, still sovereign, still hovering over you, still has you in the shadow of his wings. So go back to the one who calmed the chaos. In every beginning, go back to God. I don't know what your beginning looks like. If you're beginning a new job, if you're beginning a, a new relationship, if you're beginning a new small group this year, if you're beginning, I don't know what you're beginning. If you're beginning parenting for the first time, go back to God. Go back to God. He's before all things. He's purposeful in all things. And he hovers. He's in authority. He's, in, he's sovereign over all things. May that give you hope and comfort in 2024.
Let me pray for us. God, thank you for uh, your word that does give us great hope, that, that anchors us in your truth, that anchors us in your character that doesn't change at all. Lord, we, we thank you for um, the assurance that that gives us. Thank you that you are eternal. Thank you that you uh, created us for eternity. Lord, there's so much in there. Would you bless our study, Lord God, as we go back to the beginning, but it's not really about going back to the beginning, Lord. It's about going back to you. So Lord, would you draw our hearts, draw our minds to you. We ask it in Jesus' name, amen.